Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea, and I am joined today by... Dimity McDowell. Very nice. In Denver. Yeah, very <laughs> nice. Very nice. It's a pleasure. I don't know. Was that a fill in the, was that a fill in the blank or were you going to say it? I couldn't tell. Oh, no, it was a fill in the blank. It was definitely a fill in the blank. And I hadn't queued oh, okay. you up. So, you know, but it's the, it's that, you know, spontaneity and slight awkwardness that people find so charming in Estimity. So. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis on the awkwardness. Yes, exactly. And suddenly I remember how tall the two of us are. And I'm like, yeah, awkward. That pretty much sums up the two of us. <laughs> There you go. Oh my goodness. So Dim, you are headed to the great state of Alaska soon. I am. I am a week uh, from Friday. Uh-huh. Uh, have not really um, planned much, um, <laughs> but excited. I mean, I, I planned as in I um, have not started packing or looked at the packing list, but yes, I'm taking Ben, who is um, 10, to Alaska. Uh, I gave it to him. So I, gave, I took Amelia when she turned 10. I took her to New York. And so then that kind of became, you know, a precedence that when a kid turns 10, I, you know, they get to go on a special trip with mom, um, did not put any geographic restrictions on it, (laughs) i.e. continental United States. Well, that was an Um, oversight. If you had a third child, you would put put that fine print in there. (laughs) Yeah. The dog doesn't get to go, doesn't get to go anywhere. And, um, so anyway, um, I, he, he's obsessed with Alaska. Uh, He is obsessed with the capital O. Well, Alaska and Finland. Those are the two places that he was like, I'll go to Alaska, mom, or I'll go to Finland. And I'm like, okay, well, we're not going to go to Finland. I think he just likes, you know, crazy Northern. Oh, that's interesting. It's interesting. He doesn't think of Iceland because Iceland's such a trendy place to go. I don't, um, I personally have been to Finland, um, but you don't meet all that many people who are just jonesing to go to Finland. No, no disrespect at all. I, I had such a good, yeah, I, I don't spent, think Ben is trendy in any way. I okay. think he kind of forges his own path, i.e. he's obsessed with Finland. Um, for the so, record, uh, I had a great so time. And so, for the record, I had a great time in Finland. Just wanted to put that out there and people were very nice. I, I went, I went to Finland as well. I took the booze cruise from Stockholm to Helsinki, which is. Which is exactly what it was. Oh my God. Anyway, um, that was in college. That was a long time ago. So, um, so anyway, so yeah, we're going and, and I, so I wasn't going to do a cruise, um, with him because I, I like, you know, I wanted him to see more of Alaska. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I was like, if it's just going to be the two of us, you know, I I don't know where to go, you know? And I mean, obviously I can figure that out, but I also want like I'm not confident enough in my camping skills you know I'm not I know oh I don't know how to hang a bear bag right so like I'm not like we're gonna go into Denali and go camping like <laughs> oh no so um so I found this great hopefully it looks really great um tour it's a camping tour um where it's, it feels to me like it's kind of like a rafting tour you know like if you go whitewater rafting mm-hmm. they like set up the tents for you and they cook the meals for you and they sure. pretty much take care of everything minus you know a couple things that's kind of what this feels like but well actually we are rafting one day but um but yeah so they're going to cook our meals you know they make all of our meals they the tents i think are you know they are not small little bivouacs they're like you know <laughs> they're like the grand dame it's not glamping i think but i think it's like just one shade down <laughs> Talk to done. i'm not sure yet um and uh yeah so it's gonna be really fun so we're gonna and so then i gave it to him because it was a more expensive trip than um then New York, where I have like miles to use and friends to stay with. <laughs> uh, I was like, okay, this is your Christmas, you know, your big Christmas present and your birthday present. Ooh. So we go over to my sister's house at Christmas time and Ben tells him about Alaska. And my mom's like, I want to go. 
And oh. uh, Ben's like, yes, I want Muti, who is what they call her. I want Muti to go. So now it's going to be three generations. It's going to be my mom, me, and Ben um, glamping uh, across Alaska. Awesome. Should be fun. Awesome. So do you know yeah. some of the um, the hot spots that you're going to be hitting? Well, we're going to Denali for mm-hmm. three days. Um, we're going to Kenai a national park, I think is how you say it. And then I think we're going to a glacier for two days. We So I think we're camping for five nights. And then I think we're um, in a lodge. I know we're in a lodge for two nights. <laughs> I know that. Are you- so I was like, mom, you realize you're going to have to like get off the ground and go use a public bathroom in the middle of the night. She's like, oh yeah, it's good for the spirit. It's good for the spirit. I'm like, well, it is, but it's one thing to talk about. And then it's reality, you know? You know, um, that's the thing that I, that I, really detest about camping it's that getting up in the middle of the night and going to the bathroom thing that's just yes mm-hmm. well my guess is that we're gonna be yeah who knows but yes and then and then my mom's you know she doesn't I don't think she listens to this podcast so I will say she emailed me and she's like will there be adult beverages and where can I charge my phone and I was like <laughs> oh my god and I had to like email the tour operator and be like I know these are ridiculous questions but we have beer and wine and a place to charge cell phones on this camping trip <laughs> so um kind of funny he wrote back right away and and we're all good we're gonna stop at a liquor store and um and you can charge your phone in the vans <laughs> in case you're wondering Tim, it's also so because i could see you being like okay this trip is going to be a whole lot better if we have alcohol so is that okay leaders and we're, i'm gonna go get it right now <laughs> like, yeah yeah oh yeah well yeah and i mean i can live without my nightly glass of wine or beer but my mom is a you know different case so oh yeah no i definitely um, so yes yeah, so- I definitely wasn't implying that you are a, a booze hound, but it's just like if I, I know yeah. from traveling with you that if you see a way that the trip can be improved, you will read, you know, make sure it's okay to do it and then do it. So, I always, oh, yeah. I'll um, so, yeah. And then, but the cool thing is that then you have like excursions all, like during the day. So, like, we're going to go kayaking. Um, we're going to go on like a cruise thing to see some fjords, mm. I believe. Um, uh, should I say that are glaciers? I'm not sure. I haven't, again, like I'm not super prepped on all this. Um, what else? I don't know. It's going to do really hiking. Good. We're going to do, do hiking. Glacier trekking. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll do lots of hiking. Um, we're going to do a whitewater rafting excursion one day. So yeah, I mean, it's just going to be, and I, you know, I'm going to turn off my phone. I am not, it's 10 days almost. Um, and I'm just going to be I'm going Alaska. I'm going into the wild, Sarah. I don't know if I'm ever coming back. I might just go find a school bus. And, uh, oh my God, Chris River, Chris McCandless, and Dimity McDowell. Oh my gosh. Um, I'd say it's um, then the reason I was able to call Chris McCandless's name up off the tip of my tongue is Molly's actually reading Into the Wild. Um, oh, okay. yeah, the John Krakauer, um, book and then made into a movie. And, um, oh, I, I, I read that book, Dim. This is to harken back. I read it when it came out, which was when I was editor of that special edition of women's sports and fitness, the gear edition that sure. I'm sure yeah. you wrote for me, you know, <laughs> or maybe yeah. you were still in college. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That was a while ago. It yeah, was a while ago. It was, yeah. I think it was 96. And so, so yeah, that'd be 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that whole, um, have you heard you, I'm sure you heard the PS, right? That like Chris McCandless's father had a whole nother family. No, no. Yes. Yes. I don't know it very well, but yeah, I mean, his sister was on fresh air talking about it. Oh, Um, recently? Yeah. If you like Google it, she's written another, there's another book about it because (gasps) that was, I think probably why part of why he fled is that he had a tough tough home life or tough 
Oh my gosh. Oh, I had no idea. Oh my gosh. Now I feel like I need to go on another run with Molly just so we can discuss and dissect this whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to have to get some more information. That's all I can give you because it was a while ago that that came out. But yeah, definitely. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's, oh yeah. So, um, yeah, this morning she was saying, well, like, why is it that he couldn't, you know, she was saying, oh, I don't think he committed suicide by going into the wild. I'm like, oh no, definitely not. There were, you know, situations. And then I'm like, do you want them? She's like, no, 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 no spoilers, no spoilers. So it's kind of, um, she's also a, a self-admitted slow reader so it's kind of spooling out in a you know step by step ah. uh, yeah so anyway so no you are going to alaska yeah. you are coming back um you'll not coming home yep i we're taking the red eye home don't worry don't <laughs> yeah, worry yeah we're coming home very good august 15th we'll be back very... school starts on the 17th so really gotta be sure to make that yes wow yes it does wow but he'll, that'll be so awesome because ben will have those stories totally fresh you know, like. lots, lots of lots of uh, material for us, what I did this summer. Yes, right. <laughs> and lots of descriptions and adjectives. Oh, very colorful language. That's wonderful, Ben. <laughs> um, yes. So, so, um, so, and then if you would give us a quick update on your foot, and also because you told us on in a website post that you were doing the uh, Twin Cities Ten Miler. Um, that you were yes, training I'm for. Really that. excited for that. Yeah, yeah. and you so got in my, got in through the lottery. I got into the lottery. Um, there's a team that we're doing. Um, so, the, you know, there's a, a little posse of Minnesota bammers mm-hmm. um, that I was supposed to ru- kind of run Superior 50K with a couple of them. And then there's a uh, – uh, it's a long story. But there's a guy called – whose last name is Thrasher. Nice. And so he – so we're on Team Thrasher because, you know, if you go in with a team, it's easier to get in. So oh. I think there's probably – I don't know, six, eight of us um, that are going to run it. I mean, not together, but, you know, we all got in under the Team Thrasher name. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited. So, yeah, because I, I mean, I've learned a lot. I've, I feel like I've grown up quite a bit with as far as my perspective on my running. And my first instinct after the 50K was like, okay, you know, when that was off and I couldn't run it, I was like, okay, I'm going to find another 50K. I'm going to do it. I want to do it before the end of the year. Oh, boy. That, that's my goal. And, um, and then I, you know, slowed down a little bit and, um, you know, I was chatting cause, um, coach MK is kind of helping me and, um, I was chatting with her and she's like, okay, I think you can do that. Do I think that's the best idea? She's like, and I think if I tell you, you cannot do that, you're going to say you can't, you know, you're going to hear, I'm not going to be able to do it ever mm. when in fact, you're not going to be able to do it yet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yet, that's another nice word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> a new tattoo, so I, a new tattoo, no, just, just one, just one enough. but, um, but so then I, um, so I let that roll around a little bit and, the reality is, is I really want to do the superior 50K. I mean, I, I would run another 50K, but it, my heart, like there's nothing that calls to me like mm-hmm. that race, right? Mm-hmm. And having um, Joe, who is one of the Minnesota Bammers, um, went out and tried it. She ran, she kind of, I told her she did recon for us. Um, <laughs> you know, she made it to, she was also having a lot of foot problems and she made it to mile 23. And she mm. said, it is the hardest, gnarliest course you've ever been on. Wow. Um, you know, Jill brought, Broderick, not okay. Jill Broderick, um, who's, who was in Plamadin. our team from Pennsylvania, Plam- uh, Jill Plamadin. Yes. She went to go do the hundred miler there and got to like 55 and was like, this is crazy. Oh my gosh. Um, oh, and she is badass yeah. with a capital B-A-D-A-S-S. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, so it is a course that is not for the meek, um, <laughs> but it's also spectacularly beautiful. Uh-huh. And so 
you know, really that's the race that I want to run. And so I said, I said, okay, so Joe, you did some awesome recon for us. And now we got to figure out how to prepare for it so that we can actually do it right. Mm -hmm. And not just survive it or limp through it. Like I want to be able to run it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just, that's just opened up a whole bunch of conversations about, you know, getting healthy, right. Mm -hmm. And whether trails or roads are easier, um, staying healthy, nutrition, um, foam rolling, all the, I mean, I wrote about the Bozu, you know, all these things that are like, um, all enter into, especially a race that's really hard and really long. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we'll see. I mean, so the long way of saying like the 10 miler is one target, you know, I'm going to go aim for that. And then, and then we'll see where that lands me. I don't know if 20, I don't know if 2017 will be the year for the superior 50 K it might be Mm -hmm. make more sense to do it in 2018. Um, so, so we'll see. So, yeah, so that's on my, um, fall schedule. Um, the rock and roll Denver is the weekend after that. I know that when I read that you were doing the 10 mile, I'm like, wait, does that did like sassy drop out of the half or something? No, we talked about it. So, um, you know, if, if you're in the heart rate challenges or um, even if you're not, we've talked about racing, you know, um, deliberately and mm-hmm. being very smart about, you know, not doing a lot of races. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm going to go race the Twin City 10 miler. I mean, I'm definitely going to try to run fast there, you know, mm-hmm. God willing. And then um, and then I think the 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 half marathon the weekend after will be at a much more. um doable pace and i mean we're i'm gonna run hopefully with sassy and then she's got another friend jess who also has young kids and so i think we're probably just going to kind of make it a moving party and um i think we'll be fine yeah so awesome awesome so and um i just want to say that um thrasher i that was um the first magazine that i actually worked for um (laughs) skateboarding i know (laughs) right and he's like a 50 something i mean he's he's you know he's a runner i mean he's definitely but you like you're like thrasher wait you expect to see like you know 17 year old skateboard skateboard punk right yeah yeah i shared i shared an offer with a with a guy named pusshead um and i'm not making that up (laughs) (laughs) and and i have since googled pusshead and pusshead is a somewhat well-known um artist so um, wow yeah good to know yeah you might, you might want to not hit the image button when you google pot that that might be a little gross right right <laughs> make sure you have the artist as the as the search before you uh hit the image yeah yes, yes. yeah so um well, all right. Well, that that is a there's no um, sensical transition to our topic for today. So um, I will just shift over to it. On the show today, we're focusing on a more serious subject than we typically do. We're talking about depression, something Dimity you have written about and and that uh, you've uh, you candidly speak about dealing with it, both on our website and in Tales from Another Mother Runner. Our guest is Mary Jackson Lee, a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist in Wheaton, Illinois. Her full-time private practice caters to adults and couples with a clinical expertise in treating perinatal mood disorders, covering infertility, pregnancy, infant loss, mood disorders during pregnancy, and postpartum. Mary is also the mother of a 13-year-old daughter and a long-distance runner. And we wanted to uh, let listeners know that there are trigger warnings in this podcast, so if that's an issue for you, this would be the point where you want to turn it off. We'll be right back with Mary Jackson Lee after this quick break to talk with one of our new partners. Mary, we hear happy runniversary is in order. You're celebrating your 10th year of running. That's true. Share, yes. share the story with us about how you got involved in running and what, what you're training for these days. 
Yeah, so uh, I have zero athletic history. I was not in high school sports. Um, it was around age 30 that I realized I couldn't eat Popeye's chicken and <laughs> not do anything. So I started doing yoga and I started doing a step aerobics class. I, you know, and so I stayed fit that way. Um, months, maybe six months before, before turning 40, I was a stay-at-home mom living in Florida, away from my, you know, family of origin in Chicago, and um, just feeling the stress of being a stay-at-home mom with a three-year-old. I um, I joke that I literally and figuratively ran away. I just started running. My husband came home from work, and I had what I assumed were appropriate running clothes and they were I mean it wasn't you know and said I'm going for a run he says you don't run I said I do now and (laughs) I I just started running and six months later I did my first half marathon in Florida oh boy and that's that's it it's so yeah oh boy (laughs) and so have you have you continued to race over these 10 years or are you more of a recreational runner yeah well I am recreational but I have continued to race but not um competitively it's more it's really a social outlet for me um I have a, a marathon um the Fox Valley Marathon which is a local marathon maybe of I think combined of a half marathon, 20 miler and full marathon. There's about 4,000 runners. It's very casual. It's very scenic, uh, well supported. I'm going to do that one, uh, third week in September. I did a half this year that I do every year with my friends in March. Very social for me. Um, yeah, I feel like, um, we're friends on Facebook. I feel like you've got a, you've got a pretty tight yes. posse of, of bammers. Don't you do yes. you, you guys have been running together for a while. Yes, about 10 years. I started with them when we first moved back from Florida um, in 2008 and have trained for every marathon. And I I think there's a certain age we get to where you don't make new friends. It's Mm -hmm. either through work or through your kids, but even that can be um, transient. Um, And this is this is a a unique group of women. And um, I'm so grateful to have that that outlet. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, so we um, so we invited you on, of course, to talk about um, what you talk about pretty much all day long. I would guess mm-hmm. with most of your clients. Mm-hmm. So, yes. so, so we'll get your bill after this session. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but um, in an email exchange with us, you alluded um, to there being gaps in the road when it comes to yeah. discussing depression and treating it. Do you feel like some people, and maybe mothers in particular, are reticent to admit they have depression and need help? Mm-hmm. Or I think that's yeah. a big question to start with. Yeah, no, I think it's a great question to start with. I think we've made great strides. My daughter's 13, and I don't remember it being a topic even 13 years ago um, for new moms. It certainly wasn't anything I was screened for when I went in for my six-month visit. Um, And it's funny because um, people will say to me, oh, I understand you work with the postpartum. And postpartum, that term postpartum is the medical term for the time after a woman has had a baby. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not depression. It's not, it's that time after a baby. And I think, um, the part about depression has gotten better. I think we're, we're more on the lookout for that, but I, maybe it was Sarah that asked, um, about, uh, anxiety in an email exchange we had had. And I would say postpartum anxiety is bigger. And I think Mm -hmm. that is, 
um, where fewer women are educated, as general society is educated enough on, um, least likely to get help around, least likely to be understood about, least likely to be screened and asked appropriate targeted questions by healthcare providers. I think that's the, I look at it as a, a big collection of depression, anxiety, OCD, and at the far, far end, psychosis. Um, and I think that anxiety piece is the one that has fallen under the radar. And that is what I see more of in my practice, maybe because depression is being focused on because we say sure. postpartum depression more um, that is being um, watched for and maybe families swoop swoop in and doctors are more um, quick to pick up those symptoms but anxiety I would say is is much more of a debilitating uh, system I sy- symptom I see coming through the doors these days so but so um I remember when I had my first daughter and I was, we have um, stairs that go, I don't know, maybe 15 steps down and they can turn yeah. to go toward the front or torn, turn yeah. to go toward the back. And there's a window on that landing that you get to. And I was uh-huh. so, I just was convinced that I was going to trip and yes. the baby would go flying out of my arms and through that window. Yes. And, but we're not talking, that's like not, that's not postpartum anxiety. I mean, that was just like, right? Or is that... No. But yes, that's correctly, you have it, you have it right. But let me give you this information that I share with all of my moms that come in with that fear. Mm -hmm. Exactly. They think that is the stepping, the first uh, steps to actually getting to the point where they will throw their baby out the window. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when they come in, I share with them that, you know, 2006, I think that's the right year, um, uh, a researcher who was studying obsessive compulsive disorder targeted in on postpartum women. And what he found is that in the norm, 91% of new mothers have thoughts exactly like that. Mm. 91%. Mm. Now, now listen to this one. 88% of new fathers do. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. You never yes. hear that, do you? No, no. And most experience mild distress around that. So, um, Sierra, that is my, that was mine too. We had the hardwood floors with steps and I used to always make sure I had rubber soled shoes going down because I was, I, I, I saw it in my mind, me slipping, falling on her, my daughter and her dying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, it becomes a problem when a woman cannot make it down the stairs because mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. that won't allow anybody else take their child down the stairs, um, is afraid that that is going to happen one day because they're having the thought. And that is where the gap is, that those women go untreated because of that fear, that they think that this is is a true risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, I mean, so what, so talk about, I mean, so that's, that's one example. I mean, what are some other examples of postpartum anxiety where maybe it's a good idea to check in with someone like yourself, yep, Mary? Yep. Anytime that you have, um, an anxious thought, whether it's intrusive, um, and uh, worrisome, like obsessing about, uh, germs, 
obsessing about contamination, obsessing about the health of your baby, um, a real common one that I think would fall within that, that uh, uh, bell curve of the 91% of uh, obsessive thoughts of women would be, is my baby breathing? Mm-hmm. And they, they mm-hmm. get up sure. repeatedly throughout the, the night. So maybe if that happens once or twice, I would say that's not um, out of the realm of normalcy. If it keeps that mom from sleeping and she lies vigilant throughout the night, just checking repeatedly for her baby, baby's breath, then we have where it's gone into dysfunction. Sure, sure. And well, and that's just such a vicious cycle, right? Because then yes. the mom is getting no sleep, which is then, yes. you know, all bets are off. I mean, the sleep. mom gets little sleep anyway, but yeah. Wow. Sleep is king. Okay. Yeah. And queen and princess. And yes, princess. it is. <laughs> it still is. Even with the 13-year-old, it still is. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yes. Well, so then we're, so the difference between, you know, anxiety and depression, I mean, can you kind of differentiate that a little bit? I mean, obviously- yeah. Anxiety, it seems like it's a little bit more on the, uh, I don't, I don't want to say mental side, but more, a little bit more like compulsive, right? Yeah, it can be. It can be. I, I Most of my women that come in for depression will say the same thing. It's almost a script. I just don't feel myself. And sure. I will ask them, okay, well, tell me about your sleep. And they'll say, well, I have lots of support in the house, you know, lots of hands on deck that will take the baby when it cries or, and I'll be given opportunity to sleep, but I can't sleep. Or I just can't get up in the morning. I can have plenty of sleep and I just can't get up. I'm sleeping through the baby crying at night. Um, I can't eat more, not eat than overeating. Um, they stop taking care of their um, showering, which, again, put that in the bell curve. We usually fall off on that when a newborn comes in. But this is this is excessive. This is um, several days a week without a shower, even though they have access to somebody to give them the time to do it. Just not being able to do it. That would those would be hallmarks of the depression, crying. Um, and crying and feeling sad, and that is the majority of the feelings that you're having. Because, I mean, think about when you have a newborn come in. You can cry, you can feel sad, you can feel overwhelmed, but, but overall, your your feelings are happy and hopeful and um, nervous. But you feel this is going to be okay. With depression, postpartum, it's it's not that way. Um, anxiety. But is it, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Well, I'm just, I mean, so crying, that's a big deal. I mean, because I do feel like, my God, your hormones are just on such a wild ride. Right. Yes. And I mean, you can be watching, I mean, I remember watching like Wheel of Fortune and crying, you know, yes. and, and, um, yeah. and, and I don't think that was depression. I think that was just like, yes. it might've just been, it's done. Right. Yeah. You're relieved that the birth is over. You know, I'm back to my normal life. Oh my God, I'm back to my normal life. <laughs> you yes. know, and yeah. You know, I mean, there's just a lot going into that um, yep. and, you know, and feeling overwhelmed, right? My mom's going to leave soon. What yep. am I going to do? You know, yep. so I guess, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I obviously you're the expert, but I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like te- tears are pretty, pretty yep. normal around that time, right? Yep. Just as a biological function, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So when I see a woman through her pregnancy and she's getting ready to, to birth, 
um, and labor, I will give them a window of time. I'll say, okay, four to five days after your baby is born, you will have a, a tremendous hormonal shift. Be prepared to be sobbing and overwhelmed, but that it really is like clockwork, four to five days after the, the birth. I said, postpartum onset is going to show up usually around two weeks after birth up to a year. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. So the crying I think is, is, is common. Um, again, coming back to it, does it keep you from doing what you need to do? Does it keep you from, like I said, the, the fear of going down the stairs, does it keep you from not being able to go downstairs or do you find accommodations for it? You know, um, that's, that's really the, the, the line that I draw on the sand. Okay, you're having these symptoms. Are they keeping you doing from what you need to do? Are you decompensating as time goes by? Even though you're getting things done and you're doing the bare basics, it, by doing the bare basics and getting what needs to be done done, are you still decompensating as time goes by? Are you finding more days you're sad? Are you finding that most of the day you're sad? Are you having thoughts that scare you? Mm-hmm. Um, so is there a certain group of women or certain demographic that is more affected by, um, this type of depression and anxiety? Um, obviously people with a history of, um, depression or anxiety prior to pregnancies, um, women who had, um, infertility Hmm. issues are at higher risk. Women who have had pregnancy losses, um, without question, women who have lost babies, um, women who are having relationship problems, either chronically or with the, the birth of a child, losses either through death or through job status, um, community, a move, um, any type of emergency related to the birth, if there was a, a traumatic birth either for mom or baby, meaning premature or something where the baby had to stay longer in the hospital or in some cases mom had to stay in the hospital. All of those will um, put, should put a healthcare system and a family system on vigilant alert that they are at higher risk. Hmm. So I have to say, so I had my twins who are my second and third kids um, as a result of IVF. So I, when you listed off the the higher risk people, I was intrigued because it seemed like that that might be, you know, it would be to me it's understandable if you'd had a miscarriage or um, mm-hmm. something like that why you might suffer from greater anxiety or something like that. But why, is there any thought as to why people who um, go through infertility treatments have higher rates of anxiety and depression? Yeah, sure. Um, well, the, the high risk of at least the women that I work with with infertility, they've had in many cases several trials or cycles of treatment without mm-hmm. success. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or they've had success and lost the pregnancy. So, uh, sometimes by the time they're ready to um, have a baby to full term, um, they've already gone through a real stressful 
pregnancy or many pregnancies. So they're already primed for disappointment, for anxiety. They often struggle with anxiety, um, feeling that something's going to go wrong with the pregnancy. I've had many women say, I don't feel attached to this baby. I'm sort of protecting myself in case something happens. Um, and then once the baby is born, even if there are no complications, that subset of women are excessively hard on themselves, not allowing for any type of bad feelings about being a mother, mm. um, that they should be so grateful and happy and blissful in every moment. They work so hard to do this and so many women are without. And, you know, the, the rationalization goes on and on. Um, and we know that that's, that's an impossible target to go for, mm -hmm. uh, to feel good all the time and happy all the time and blissful all the time. Right, right. Sure. That's intriguing. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Well, especially if you have this, like, like this gift that's been given to you after five years of trying or whatever. Yes. Like, you better not screw it up, right? Well, <laughs> you and, better not and, make a mistake and you better not feel any kind of antipathy towards it, right? And in that same, uh, wow, I, went, I wouldn't believe they would struggle with that is, is women who become mothers through adoption struggle with the same thing. Well, I'm sure that makes sense too. I've, I've had several women and they forget, you know, when I listed those high risk um, variables, they could have even had a history of depression, longstanding history of depression, but they will not give themselves permission to have it once this baby has come because they got everything they wanted. Now they have this baby. And so um, it's, 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 so it's surprising. Tough, so, so then yeah. th that's also surprising to me because I guess I had always been under the impression that this type of depression or anxiety is largely hormonally related. Yeah. I think that we have not, we have not nailed anything to the wall. We have a lot of variables like those, um, uh, life's variables that I outlined, but you know, there is, um, hormonal things going on. Absolutely. Um, with the rise and flow of progesterone and estrogen, but do you know, also just before birth, oxytocin is naturally released in our body, that feel good hormone. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that helps us soften and relax our muscles pr to prepare for labor. And, and that's a feel-good bonding um, uh, hormone. And one of the theories they have, and we, we haven't had, there isn't enough uh, research out there, but one that they're keeping an eye on is, you know, when women experience postpartum depression and they feel, I don't feel attached to my baby, I feel it's not my baby, there could be something haywire about that oxytocin level for them. On the other side of the variable, if too much goes uh, of oxytocin is, is being released, that may lead to the anxiety and the hypervigilance and um, separation anxiety, can't be away from my baby, can't take a shower, have to be with my baby all the time, I'm protecting them, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, yeah, we're looking at all, well, I say we're like I'm in the lab, I'm in the, I'm in the <laughs> session, I'm in the session room, but I stay abreast of this. And I have to tell you, when I share that with a client, it relieves so much responsibility for what they're feeling. Mm. You know, when they say, oh gosh, this could be something hormonally that I did nothing wrong. I did nothing. I couldn't have prepared for this. This is just 
this is just the roll of the dice, how it showed up for me. And when I affirm that, it, it gives them so much room to breathe in this very stressful time. Sure, for sure. Now that makes a lot of sense. Well, so so what do you do? I mean, so how do you know, Mary, when to, you know, I mean, I'd like to um, in, a, in a couple of minutes go on to just like, um, you know, expand to maybe not postpartum, but just regular. But how do you know when, you know, I've had a kid, uh, the kid is four months or four weeks old, four months old, whatever, and I'm not myself. I don't feel like myself. Like, is that a sign to come in? Yeah. Because one of the things that I think is so hard about depression, having had both postpartum and, and regular, is that, you know, you are so low and feel yeah. so crappy that yes. like the last thing I'm going to do is pick up the phone and call you. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and friends, well-meaning friends who I know have my back and love me and want the best for me, mm-hmm. don't want to maybe interfere. Right. right. Yeah. Even though that's, that's what we would like them to do, you know, if we're feeling very rational and balanced, yeah. Yeah. but that's not the case. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Across the board. Right. And I, it is rare that I will see that woman that, at the onset of four weeks and when she's just starting to get these symptoms, we'll say, ah, I'm going to nip this in the bud. Um, it's usually yeah. <laughs> when, it, when it has um, progressed to where it has interfered with their level of functioning, their care of their baby, where enough people, enough um, family members, partners will intervene or uh, um, OBs, that six-week visit, I think is so crucial um, I don't know if it's it's uh, nationwide, but I know in the state of Illinois, all pediatricians are to be um, giving the Edinburgh test, which is a, a, a 10 question um, scale and inventory to, to check for postpartum symptoms in new moms, um, which is terrific. So so many, many different people can either win or fail in that situation, whether they're screened or not, because I've seen profoundly depressed women look wonderful, look very sure. well put together, um, and are just reserved in their personality um, at baseline and and can fly under the radar for a good while. And um, what, what are some of the screening um, things on there? I mean, the questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the questions will be, um, over the last, we ask over the last seven days, have you blamed yourself, um, for things that aren't necessarily your fault? Um, do you feel anxious, um, about most things? Um, have you spent, have you been crying? Um, and then the, I forget what they call it, where they ask the reverse, like, we're going to catch you somehow in these questions if you try to, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I, way, right? Don't try to psych us out with your answers. <laughs> yes, we gotcha. Um, I've been coping pretty well with most things. Most things seem to be going smoothly. And it's a scale of, you know, never, sometimes, most of the times, always. Um, and then at the, the very Last question is, you know, are you having any thoughts of wanting to harm yourself or cause any harm to yourself or others is the the 10th and final one. Anybody that scores um, 10 or more at the pediatrician's office or uh, OB's office should be referred to treatment. They're doing it inpatient right after a baby's been born too, which unless the woman showed up 
for labor, depressed, they're probably going to score pretty neutral on it. But um, when a, wo new, a woman comes in a new client, I always do a baseline where they're at. And um, I would say by the time they get to me, they're usually at 19, 20, 22. And is this the type of test that people, since everybody loves Dr. Internet, is this something they could find <laughs> online and take? Because if they're sitting there and, and as Demi yeah. pointed out, that people aren't going to say, oh, I'm feeling really crappy. I think I'm going to call someone. You know, but they could maybe take this test and hopefully that might spur yeah, them. They could. It's called the Edinburgh mm -hmm. um, test. They could. I I would rather they not. Uh, yeah, I realize it's not optimum, but if, if every state isn't as progressive as Illinois and it's uh, women's health care issues, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's called the Edinburgh mm -hmm. um, postpartum depression scale. Mm-hmm. And, um, like I said, if you score 10 or higher, a health treatment team would say, Hey, how you doing? What's, mm. what's been going on? Anything? And, and sort of pointing to the question that you noted here that you cry, you've been crying a lot more than normal. And, and then the mom may respond like, Oh gosh, I'm a crier. Everybody in my family knows I'm a crier. You know, if you can ask those questions, if a, if a healthcare professional could follow up and ask those questions, sometimes the, the need for ongoing services isn't there. Um, but a lot of times it is. And I, when I, another, the gap in the system, I can't, I, uh, I can tell you, there have been many uh, moms who have come to me that have not only seen their pediatrician, but have been in for their OB visit that even though we have this law in the state of Illinois, weren't screened. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, you know, I will say this and, and you ladies are a big part of the, that solution. The more it's talked about on social media, the more it's normalized, the more there's people like scary mommy or new guys and Glennon Doyle and, and Catherine Stone with postpartum progress. Um, the more validation and normalizing it is of getting any of these postpartum mood or even antenatal or pregnancy or baby infant loss, miscarriage and fertility treatment addressed in the same way you would if you started hemorrhaging after a birth. Mm. You know, you would, I, I, I think that it's, you have all gone a long way online, social media and getting it moved to that edge more where people will say, Oh yeah, okay. I got the, that postpartum thing. So I'm going to go talk to somebody. Um, but that's a that great analogy though, too. I mean, if someone were to suddenly start gushing blood, you know, yes. four weeks after giving birth, they would go to a wouldn't doctor. Think wouldn't think twice. When we're getting closer, we mm -hmm. really are getting closer. I think, you know, one of the biggest concerns, and I, I hope I'm not trailing off, but I think this is an important point. Yeah, yeah. When women have those scary thoughts about falling down the stairs or won't bathe their baby because they visualize themselves holding the baby under water mm -hmm. um, and they can't shake that thought, but they're horrified by it. Mm -hmm. The fact that you're horrified by it is a determinator that tells us you're not at risk to do it. Right, right. It's when you think like, oh, that sounds like a good idea, you know, yes. or just think, mm hmm, yes, and, and I need to put the roast in the oven. You know, it's, it's when you have the, yeah, yeah. And that's psychosis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Psychosis. So those intrusive thoughts, when a woman says that she's disturbed by them, I say, yay, good. Mm. That's your strength. 
that's your strength. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Well, so when someone comes to you, hopefully makes a way to some, you or someone like you and they, you know, and they definitely are, um, you know, just have, there isn't a textbook case, I imagine, but have a pretty common case of mm-hmm. postpartum depression. I mean, what are some things that they can do to kind of to, to lift out of it and to try to, you know, get, get to a more balanced state? Mm-hmm. I always start with the bare basics. Um, I know um, running is something that we look at for feeling good, um, but running is sort of an intermediate intervention. I always go with the very, very bare basics. I will make a checklist. This is something I want you to do every day. Get out of bed, comb hair, brush teeth, rest. If you can't rest, I want you to at least rest your body. If you can't sleep, I want you to tell yourself that you're resting your body, even if you're not falling asleep. Um, I want you to have nutritious meals. If you don't have an appetite, I want you to have calorie, nutritional, dense foods. Have an avocado. You know, um, keeping it very bare basics. Who is in your army to call upon to help with child care? And if not childcare, if, if anxiety is the piece and they want to hold the baby close, the the intervention isn't, oh, give your baby away until it's okay. No, you hold on to that baby. There's good reasons you're feeling this way. Let's fill your tank up so that we can work around those thoughts. But let's let's make sure the bare basics are taken care of first. And people that can help are the ones that can come in and do your laundry without needing a lot of direction. Um, that will bring a meal over, that will go out and buy a dozen avocados and slice them up and, and put them on toast or whatever for you. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So that's, that's where we start, the very bare basics. Yeah. And I think, I think women are hesitant to ask for help. I mean, particularly if you're, you know, a 32-year-old young mom and all your friends are young moms, you're not going to, you know, you're going to think, oh, well, she's got the, you know, that three-year-old and that you know, kid just started kindergarten. I don't want to ask her for help. It's like, yeah. I think we have to sit. No, no, no. You know, you, yeah. that neighbor, that friend would do the exact same thing if the, if the yes. tables were turned. You know what I say? And I hope this doesn't sound too snarky because in context, it's, it's the right thing to say. When I have a mom that comes and says that to me, I'll always say to them, you know, maybe it's because I sit in this chair all day, but you never know if they're on medication. Mm-hmm. You never know if that mom that is seeming to do it all right isn't taking Lexapro every day or Zoloft and has for years, and that's how she's doing it. Mm-hmm. So be real, real careful because they are owed their privacy. I don't believe anybody needs to be saying, I'm on this, and that's why I'm appearing to be good. Mm-hmm. They're owed their privacy, but don't compare yourself without knowing all the facts. That's a really good reminder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's true. You never know anybody's story for no. sure. And especially, I mean, no. and, and when you, I mean, you're just talking about the put together people that I think is, I mean, we're so as a, a society, you know, yes. we're so quick to judge like, oh my gosh, well, she looks like she's Get in it. shape. She's yes. got the new J. Crew clothes on. She's got yes. the cute bag. She drives the good car. Her kids are yeah. happy. Like, oh, she must have it all together. You know, no. oh, she puts on good good pictures on Facebook and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, and you are completely falling apart inside and not judging that, but like it's so Correct. easy to make it look okay when it's not okay. I, I would put those women in a higher risk category, the perfectionists, mm-hmm. because they yeah. are going to do, they are going to 
you know, smoke and mirrors it as long as they can, because being able to control is part of what in their mind they have squared with being okay. So, um, they are at higher risk. They are the ones that will long fly under the radar. Hmm. Interesting. Well, so, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I've been pretty, I'm not vocal about my struggles, but I've definitely written about them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like what happens, um, you know, you know, I'll just, I mean, for me, what was hard was, you know, I, I think I had, I had it with Amelia, who's my first kid, but I didn't want to admit it. So then I had it with my second kid, mm -hmm. um, Ben, and I finally got some help. Um, and, uh, eight years later, I realized that the medication that, I was put on or more like nine, um, mm -hmm. was not the one that I should have been on, but I was so scared to change yeah. it because of all the ramifications, right? Cause what yeah. if I went off of it and it got worse? What yeah. if I went off of it and I lost, you know, I gained weight or I lost weight or I yeah. you know, lost what little sex drive I have or whatever it happens to be like, I'm like, it's good enough. It's good enough. I don't right. want to change anything. Because if I do and it gets worse, oh my God, what am I going to do? Right. And um, and I think, you know, I guess, I mean, I mean, and I, I will stop talking about myself in a second, but I think it's really important um, at some point, you know, it was finally a woman who I hired to help me with some other areas of my life who came in and was like, Dimity, you need to get this evaluated. You know, if it's not working or you're still feeling like this blue after yeah. nine years, you know, like, yeah. come on, like objectively, it's really easy to see. But when you're in the middle of living it, yes. you know, I mean, it's just the same. It's the same thing as being in the middle of a depression, right? Like you're just yes. like, oh, but if, you know, what, what do you do? Like, how do you know if it's working and how do you know I mean, I, I realize there are just individual cases and everybody is, you know, a special snowflake when it comes to this as far mm -hmm. as their mentality and their attitude and their genetics and all that. But I mean, yes. how, how do you like if you if you had a patient in there saying, is, is, is my medication working? Am I getting better? What else can I do or whatever? What? How do you evaluate that? Yeah, that's a great question. It's a really common presentation because in tandem with that is the fact that some medications stop working. They could be, you know, right on track and then they, for whatever reason, stop working. There's, I offer a lot of validation because it's a common experience when a client presents with that. Um, I assure them that they could always go back back to what they're on right now if they're afraid to switch to something else if they're okay with what they're at right now um, like when you say that it's you know maybe there's it's not covering it's not covering all the symptoms but it's covering three quarters of them and I'll go with that let's yeah. try something else and if it doesn't I, I guarantee we can come back to this you can come back to three quarters coverage um, we, we also have some newer I, I don't know how newer technology it is maybe it's that insurances are paying for it because they're finally being smart and there's a, um, a saliva test that you can do hmm. if you don't have insurance it's it's five hundred dollars and basically what it says what it will do for you is break up like, for example, um, anti-anxiety, anti-depression drugs, and put them into three different classes. And one being um, that your body would readily respond to it. You would, you would respond to it with the, you wouldn't have to be overdosed on it to get the effects, and your body would agree with it more. And then there's like a middle range where, yeah, maybe a good add-on. And then a third one that would be, you can try 
it, but you're probably going to have to be higher than the recommended dose to get the effect. So there's some some options out there. I, and, I, I guess, and this can all be detected. Sorry to interrupt, but this can all be detected with this $500 saliva test. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, when you think about how much treating depression costs in the long run, that's yes. not a huge price tag. No, it's, it's, it's not at all. And like I said, I think insurance companies and carriers are, are becoming a little bit more, um, I don't know, informed or willing to look at, you know, what we're finding helpful in, in treating depression, knowing that it can sometimes be a moving target. Mm-hmm. Um, even if there's been a long period of, um, stability with medication over several years, sometimes they stop working. What's next? That, that fear of changing comes on. So, and you know, another thing clients sometimes do when their medication isn't necessarily working or it's three quarters working, they can sometimes distort their their past about how it was before medication or if they get into sort of a shame spiral about being on medication, they may think, well, there are plenty of times I lived without medication. I can come off of it, um, which is one of the reasons when a client starts medication, I always say, let's start journaling. Just write how it is now, what your symptoms are now so that we have in your own words what you're feeling now and we can evaluate you know, six months from now, how you're feeling too, so that you can look back at your own um, subjective view of what's better as a result of being mm-hmm. on medication. Because, uh, you know, once you start feeling better because you're on the medication, you can get, like I said, in a shame spiral about being on it or fantasize about coming off of it. And that's sometimes a good check and balance. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. And so you've talked about medications. What about um, the talk therapy piece of this? Mm-hmm. Um, in what we know, we have research from floor to ceiling and back and back again that a combination of both is most effective in um, managing um, most mood disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, I will, when I have clients come in and, and they're you know strong arming that they don't want to be on medication, I always will meet them where they're at. Um, and say, I will offer you all of my support and strategies. I'd like to bring in your family. I'd like to be able to speak to your physician. I'd like to have as many um, people involved in this. But if after four weeks, your symptoms are the same or the worse, you need to agree with me now that you'll go get an evaluation for medication. And 100% they agree with that. Because at least I'm not strong arming them at the front and saying, no, you must. And some do do better. Some will, once they have their army of um, people, places, and things that are aware that they're struggling, they'll get that additional help, and they don't need medication. So it, it's not always, it, but it is often by the time they get to me. Mm-hmm. And so, and going back to that basic list, I mean, let's talk a little bit. I mean, I know, yeah, especially a postpartum mom say, Hey, go for, go for a, a little jog, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when they're completely blue and, you yeah. know, belly is jiggling and they feel like yeah. crap. It's not good. That's not the good idea. But oh. I mean, overall, I mean, I will always say, you know, that running has been a huge part of my mental balance. And I, yes. and I think that there are a lot of women listening to this that would probably agree. And I, I guess I'm just wondering, you know, when, like, what role does it play? And because I, I don't think, I mean, um, 
oh, I think it was when Robin Williams committed suicide. And a lot of people was like, oh, well, running is therapy. Well, no, running isn't therapy. Like, you know, I mean, what, where's the line do you feel like between, um, you know, making sure that you take care of yourself and running and then being yes. like, you know, running is all that I need. I'm just going to keep running. And as, yeah. soon as, as long as I run, I'm going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that, those are finite days at some point, right? Yes, absolutely. And like I said, I would put it in an intermediate level of intervention. Let's make sure you're you're taking care of all those bare basics and then let's talk about even expanding your 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 leisure activities. For some folks it will never be running, it'll never be yoga, it'll never be okay, well you like scrapbooking, I want you to be, you know, on meetup and find a scrapbooking group. Something outside of your own head, something that somebody else will be waiting for you that Saturday. Mm-hmm. Because think sure. about when you run with a friend, you may hit the the alarm and go back to sleep if you don't have a friend waiting for you also rolling out of bed at an un- insane hour. Um, sure. So establishing that, that, but coming back to the running as a therapy and treatment of depression, I, I need to go on to record here and saying that I have several clients who have found me knowing that I'm a runner who are in therapy, in talk therapy, take medication, and are also Boston qualifiers. So let's let's be clear. It does help. It's part of the the arsenal of tools to help somebody with a clinical depression feel better. It it really sure. gets us to our optimal level. Um, but for many folks, it, it does not. In, in fact, for many folks that have a clinical depression, not being able to run, not being able to get themselves out of bed could also be a great symptom to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's when true. you lose, true. lose joy in things that used to bring you joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think there's, there's, I would have liked to have end on a more, um, upbeat note is there any uh any kind of parting message you'd like to give to the folks mary yeah it is an uplifting one because i i would not continue to do this work if i didn't full heartedly believe that this is so treatable mm-hmm. it's so resolvable mm-hmm. and the sooner you reach out for the most mild over overcorrect for the the sooner you reach out for the most mild to moderate symptoms the quicker you get to that that resolution um you're not alone you certainly didn't cause it Mm. and there is there is uh treatment for it very effective treatment nice okay well thank you very much um for sharing that insight with us and um your advice uh we know will prove valuable to many people listening so thank you very much well thanks for giving the forum it's it's a passion and an important one thanks and take care mary okay bye-bye bye-bye great guest, Dimity. I'm really glad you suggested having her on. Yeah, no, she's definitely been a resource. I can't remember. I think um, Run Like a Mother, I th- somehow she re- found us. And then um, she did a post for us about postpartum repression. And mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I obviously, I very much value her perspective um, mm-hmm. just because I think she's kind of lived 
what many of us have lived and knows all the tools, right? I mean, it was definitely a very happy note that she ended on. And I, you know, and I, I would just, you know, definitely second that and just say, you know, it's not your fault. It's not embarrassing. I mean, the people that you are going to go see, see people, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm the only, that's one of the things that I felt like, especially when I was struggling that really bad winter, I was like, I just felt so alone. I've never felt so alone in my life, despite being, you know, surrounded by the mother runner community, a family that loved me. I live in a neighborhood that there are a lot of people that are like me and, you know, and I'm a bunch of friends. Mm -hmm. Um, But that alone feeling is just, I can't even tell you how, how deep and how awful it feels. And, you know, so it is, it's scary to say, oh my God, I need help. But if you can, you know, get the courage to do that, you know, the people that you're going to go see, you know, I'm not saying that you're not special because you are, but there's a reason why they're there. There are Mm -hmm. people like you everywhere. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, I mean, I know when I wrote my post about um, getting my tattoo and (laughs) changing my medication, um, you know, people were like, I'm going to schedule something today. This, this Mm -hmm. post, I I realized I need to schedule something today. And I just, I really, really can't say enough that if you are feeling like you might need to see somebody, just do it, just Mm -hmm. do it. And if you never go back to them again, that's okay. But Mm -hmm. At least you have that out of your mind that and you took a step in the right direction. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, you know, I just wish, you know, nine years, that's a long time to it be is. in the place that I was. It is. <laughs> and, um, and and I feel so much better now. I can't, I mean, I, like I, I will say, I just, I can't believe that this is how, you know, quote unquote, normal people feel. And I denied myself that for, you know, it's a whole nother podcast why I did yeah. that. But, yeah. you know, so I just, I don't know. I really want people to, um, to take care of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Yes. Well, um, not to, um, uh, move on in a, um, you know, trite way, but it's, uh, let's take us over to the Talam corner. Dim, take us over to the train. Like uh, a yeah. club let's, corner. Let's, let's lighten it up. Well, this is a, this is a very light one, which I love. Um, I have been a little bit slacking on these. I apologize if you know, cause they are the highlight of the podcast. I know <laughs> just, um, but anyway, so yeah, I've just been in like swim team hell and every time I'm like, Oh my gosh, I forgot. And anyway, so I'm back again with um, Shelly Seymour, who is in the 26.2 challenge. So she's in the traditional marathon challenge. And her little um, Facebook moniker says, feeling tired. (laughs) She said, I'm calling three strikes and I'm out on today's run. I lost. Last night, a bat got into our bedroom. Yep, that's the stuff nightmares are made of, people. And then we lost it, like as in lost the bat. It took three hours to <laughs> locate and trap it, which meant not only did we not get to bed early, but our two-year-old was up past midnight. So no early solo run. I tried the treadmill during nap time, but we don't have air conditioning. Oh. So I foam rolled all my bat hunting muscle tension that's a real thing out instead (laughs) i tried for the jogger stroller this evening but the kiddo was all done with today and i called it before we took one step for fear she'd be taken by the authorities (laughs) uh hoping for a makeup day tomorrow so i just thought that was funny i mean she's just like yep i'm gonna try first running nope because of that now i'm gonna try the treadmill nope no ac and then my kids screaming and child protective services is is right around the corner right oh my gosh oh my gosh i gotta say that um i really feel shelly's pain because we have had a bat in our house not once but twice (laughs) 
I commented back on Facebook. Like I have memories. I mean, cause addicts, right? Like, especially if you have a bedroom addict, which you kind of yeah, do. Yeah. Right? That's what happened like, with the second time with Phoebe's room. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I remember my dad, you know, just swatting this tennis racket, sure. you know, just wildly, you know, it's, a, and I think we had, I mean, yeah, they are, they are buggers for sure. And then you get all like, you know, rabies and disease and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to turn into a vampire. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Look, it caught in my hair. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, you know, Dim, I was thinking um, that two months from now, we will have the yeah. AMR retreat in our rearview mirror. Can you believe that? Cause, wow. Yeah, because it is September 22 to 25. So wanted to um just put that out there and if people feel think of no i missed it well no you didn't you can still you can still hop on the amr retreat run and refresh train uh it is going to be in beautiful spokane washington as i said september 22 to 25 the focus of the retreat in addition to fun and making friends is the happy girls spokane race on the saturday of the retreat choose to run the 5k 10k or half marathon or keep me company near the finish line as I'm the race MC. Think of it, me saying your name as you cross the finish line. Um, uh, in the two days leading up to the Saturday race, numerous experts will share training and racing advice. There will be yoga sessions led by the renowned Yogini Sage Roundtree, foam rolling clinics, talks by a sports dietitian, and plenty of time to relax, including exploring Spokane's charming downtown or lounging by the host hotel's lovely pool. Also, also... We are recording a podcast on the first night of the retreat because three of the co-hosts will be there. You, Dimity, Coach Christine, and my BRF, Molly. So to catch part of this, be part of it, for all the details and to register, go to anothermotherrunner.com slash retreat. Again, that's anothermotherrunner.com slash retreat. One third time, it is anothermotherrunner.com slash retreat. We really hope you'll join us in Spokane in September. Many happy miles to you. Many happy miles to you.